can't go thinking about game two if you haven't played game one yet. And these guys did a, a great job of taking it one inning at a time, one pitch at a time, one out, one AD at a time, and uh, put one foot in front of the other. You know, it just, these guys played so loose. Um, on the field, it was incredible. I remember making a comment to my assistant coach in that, in that middle of the second game, actually in the second inning of that second game. It was just like, man, you can feel the tension in their dugout. And it's just these guys, are the team played so loose. You could tell the good energy, the fun that they were having in the dugout um, when you rewatch the game. Coach, this is TJ here with John. You mentioned that tension. There, there was quite a bit of tension down the stretch run of the season. Did it help out a lot with, with playing with all those close games down the stretch when you get into that regional and you're tied in that second game, an elimination game, and, and you believe you can win it? Oh, definitely. You know, uh, these those, those uh, bumps and bruises that we took in those, like, nine consecutive one-run losses, you know, uh, helped this team um, grow and, and pull together and realize that, you know, we can, we can accomplish anything if we do it together. Laura Berg joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. All right, so you win two. You only played two teams in the mm-hmm. regional in Ohio state. Um, now heading on to super regionals, something that no player has experienced. Uh, you sure have, but you weren't with the program. I was, I remember calling the games on the radio and, and going with the team all the way to the college world series. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it was great times. So you continue on with the tradition. We were looking back at your record. I can't believe, first of all, it's been 10 years since you've been the head coach, just because it's gone by so quickly. I know, crazy, huh? Yeah, and then five out of t- out of ten years in regionals, and uh, I mean that's a great number. And you get your first super regional. Does your preparation change at all for this weekend? You know, nothing changes. You know, we still go out, we still practice, we still get our swings in. We know Stanford. We played them three times this year, uh, so it's just I want these guys to play as loose and let fly as much as they did when we were in Tennessee. You know, um, we we. We, we've got nothing to lose. Nobody expected us to even make it to, even to regionals. And so uh, these guys have a chip on their shoulder. Actually, it's not even a chip anymore. It's not the size of a bonfire. <laughs> uh, with, with, I think, uh, the disrespect that has uh, been given to this team all year long. And so, um, you know, we just go out and just, just be Oregon State. We don't need anything more than that. Uh, if we do that, we'll be, we'll, we'll be successful. Laura Berg joining us here on the program. Coach, so you've already played Stanford this year. You took two of three here at Kelly Field. Now on their turf, do you like matching up with Stanford? You, you both are very good in the circle, a very tight games when you played up here at Kelly Field. What do you think of this Super Regional uh, and looking it's, it's, at Stanford again? Yeah, you, you look at it on paper, and it's both teams are, are evenly matched. So it's going to be it's going to be a dark fight. You know, Stanford plays very well at home, and you know they've got uh, uh, they're they're playing hot right now. They're playing very well. And they, you know, they, they broke the 25-win streak uh, of UCLA, and they beat ASU at their place. And so uh, it's going to be really tough to go in there and, uh, and uh, win, but it's totally possible. I mean, we could totally do it. We did it last year when we went to their place. We, we pulled out a win. And uh, these guys just need to remember to just stay within themselves. Nothing changes. Uh, and just play loose like they did at Tennessee, and we'll be all right. And someone you didn't have in the lineup for that Stanford series, uh, we we continue to be amazed by her greatness. How how do you how, how do you tell people to absorb and really appreciate what Mariah has done for this program? I know it's just Mariah is she's a gem. 
You know, she's just one of those athletes that when the game is on the line, you want her to have the ball ball in her hand or the bat in her hand. She is just a gutty, gutty um, ball player, you know. Um, just a gutsy performance that she did, you know, with, with the injuries that she's had to deal with this, this year, uh, which she's never had to deal with before, you know, and um, just kind of putting the, the team on her, on her shoulders and carrying them and, you know, putting Sarah Hindegas under her wings and kind of guiding her and, and leading her and, and helping her through her performance as well. She's done an incredible job, Sarah Hindegas. And, you know, Mariah just, she's, she's a very special person. And like I have said before, that kid should have been on Team Mexico for the Olympics. And she, that kid should have been drafted for the professional league this year. They're missing out on, on, a, on a great athlete. So, Mariah's the lone senior on this roster. Was there a moment in that last game? It's an elimination game. It could be her last game in college, period. Is she walking up and down the dugout there and, and, and saying anything, saying, hey, we're not losing this game. We've already beaten them twice this year. We're not losing another one. You know, Mariah's not much of a vocal leader. She's a leader by example, and uh, she, she did it at the plate. Um, I think that, that moment that she hit kind of just spoke to her teammates and being like, look, we're, we're continuing on. We're going to move on. Laura Berg joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Um, let's circle back to that last series of the regular season and just how important you, you say that the ball bouncing your way is. Because it seemed in the regional, you guys take the, the regional in Knoxville to advance to the super regional. The ball might be bouncing your way a little bit more. And it seems like that Thursday game against Utah might have been that turning point. Didn't it seem that way, Coach, when, when you guys are down to your final strike and you have Harley Braswell, who had 10 at-bats all season, come in and pitch it, hit a ball in, in the right spot, it seemed, in between the shortstop <laughs> and the third baseman, and then from there seemed to just snowball now until into a super regional. And, and it's just crazy how one little thing like that uh, could really be the difference between you guys making the tournament and, and then advancing to the Supers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had we had zero luck, you know, when we were playing against UCLA. I mean, you had Kayla Nelson just hit a P-Rod right off of her combo, and she knocks it down and gets her out at first base, which saved them a run. Uh, and so, you know, to be able to, you know, that, and that play at the plate against Washington, all those close one-run losses, we just didn't have, you know, luck on our side. And you got to have a little bit of luck on your side, have the ball bounce your way, and you're right. You know, against Utah, the ball bounced our way. Even that ball that Kayla hit in the left center gap, you know, it just kind of bounced off the fence differently. And for it to uh, allow Frankie to score all the way from first base, who's not our fastest runner, but she had enough time to be able to score from first you, uh, I, I, I was. Uh, you had mentioned the last time we talked that you knew the Tennessee coach for the last couple of years, and both of you in your separate conferences, very respectful and and great words for each other. Did you get a chance to talk to her before you left? I didn't, but I did. Um, she sent me a text this morning. I did get to talk to Ralph, her husband, who was a coach there for many years. I have known Ralph and Karen since 1993, my senior year of uh, high school. Wow. And so um, I just those two, you know, I, I thank them for always picking up the phone. Anytime I have a question or or need a little bit of mentorship, you know, they always, always answer their phone. And I can't tell th- those guys how much it means to me uh, for them to do that on, on for such a young coach. You know, not everybody does that. And those two are just incredible people. They have, um, you know, done an incredible job with that university, yeah, with that and, program. Yeah, and you were, you were raving about the facilities and – and uh, all the different people and how they put that on. And so, and that's, mm-hmm. that's to be expected. Now, 
How's your relationship? I don't know that we've ever talked about this. TJ and I, when we finished the program today, we're planning on going into, uh, you know, there's some SEC football coaches that are kind of arguing back and forth and stuff. (laughs) What is it like in your league? Because the conference, which we waxed poetically about at the opening of the show, is so strong. How does the Pac-12 softball coaches, how do they get along? Did you all uh, uh, give each other text when you got to the Supers, or is it so competitive you don't hear from anybody? Uh, I got text messages from almost everybody uh, from the Pac-12 coaches. They just, everybody here gets along. We're rooting for each other when we're not playing against each other. And especially when, when a team beats an SEC school. So yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. And you both did. And they helped you by keeping you from going to Tuscaloosa. You'd probably rather go to Palo Alto, huh? <laughs> yes, I'm telling you what, man. That humidity is, is uh, unbelievable. <laughs> the humidity, the crowds, they get big crowds. Yep. Which, by the way, yep. it looked like in Game 7, the most important game of this regional, uh, it looked like there was a paltry crowd. Would Would you agree with that, or were they all huddled under the cover where we might not have seen? <laughs> no, I think after, uh, when we beat them in that first game on Sunday, it kind of dissipated in a little bit. So yeah. it wasn't quite as large as it was in that first game. Okay, yeah, that, that makes yep. sense. And everybody yep. healthy going into the Supers? Yep, everybody's healthy. Wow, okay. So hopefully we're hoping to get Tardy some some uh, some uh, hitters to hit off for today and uh, on Thursday, and then hopefully we can get her into, into some of the, the, the game action this weekend, but we'll see. Best of luck to you. Really appreciate your time. It's so much fun to watch and root for you and uh, your program. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. Go Beavs. All right, there you go. Laura Berg, Oregon State softball coach, joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. And, um, yeah, just a great person. Yeah. And and a a tremendous softball mind and coach. They work on all the right things. And like you said, this was not – this is supposed to be a down year just because of the youth with Mariah Maison, granted the best player, but – the only senior on the team. Yeah, only senior on the team, and she was hurt for some of the year. And mm-hmm. Frankie was hurt for part of the year at the end of non-conference play as well. And to to fight through all of that and have, have the growing pains of having a, a majority of your roster be freshmen and turn that into a super regional. It's just uh, unbelievable. It, it really is. It, it's great. And, uh, again, another just great look for the conference who has five teams in the super regionals. And, you know, nonetheless, they will – at least get one team in OKC. They they could very well get all five of them in there, yeah. or not all five. You get you get, you get four. four. You right. could get four in there. Uh, but I mean, ASU will probably. Uh, there's no odds on right, these series, right, right. but I mean, ASU is probably a better team than Northwestern is by, you know, hair UCLA. Uh, the same with Duke as well. Right. So uh, and and Arizona. Oh, we mentioned the, the the two super regionals with unseated teams. I mean, Arizona gets to play an unseated SEC team uh, for the for their super regional to go back to OKC as well. It was uh, it was interesting going to the World Series in '06 and seeing Arizona State, Arizona, I believe UCLA was there, uh, and Oregon State. Four out of the eight teams in the tournament, and <laughs> the the crowd there is a softball crowd. Obviously, that's why they've got the stadium there and the tradition and all of that. But very aware too. They're they're very aware of uh, what's going on with the sport and what teams and leagues. In fact, I sat with a guy, just a regular fan, um, during you know when the Beavers weren't playing. I'll never forget this. So I sat with this guy. I, I hung back. I don't remember what it what the deal was, but the team, the hotel wasn't that far away, and game was done. And so I waited there and I watched some night a night game, 
And this is where I first learned about uh, Cheetos and chili. Guess that's a Midwest mm. thing. Sounds pretty good. Put Cheetos in the chili. And Doesn't now, sound now healthy you can at all. Find but that everywhere. I would probably. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. So me and this guy uh, were we're we're talking, and uh, he was talking all about you know the softball and how great they were, and he was telling me the story of uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and how you know one is to the south, one's to the north. They're separated. They're they're right in the middle is Oklahoma City, and um, you know their money guy. I'm drawing a blank right now because some. Just drawing a blank, but they're money guy like Phil Knight, and they're really the only two that we know of in the country where they really pay for things. Uh, and the money guy for them, mostly an Oklahoma State guy, but does filter, I guess, if I remember correctly, filtered a little down to Oklahoma's way, but it was all about Oklahoma State. And then the conversation turned, and I said, oh, you have a real nice, uh, what looked like NBA facility. Mm -hmm. Remember, this was Oklahoma City. They didn't have a team. And this was 06. When did... Uh, 08. Was it 08? This guy proceeded to tell me, I think it was 09. Uh, the, the Sonics last season was 2007 to 2008. Yeah, okay. Um, this guy proceeded to tell me what the plan was. That their facility, at the time it was called the Ford Center. And that the plan was to build that and bring in the Sonics. Not a team, but the Sonics. And I said, no, no, and I, there's no way the Sonics are leaving. And, and of course, he said, oh, no, 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 it's true. Then Howard Schultz sold the team. And, and one, as soon as he signed that paper, it was over. Within about a year, it was done, and then another year, two years, and then they actually moved. I couldn't believe it. The guy was right on. And, uh, but it was fun. It was fun to, uh, to see the atmosphere and, and how they really come out. It's also a tornado, tornado alley. area where – um, the team had gone to Michigan the year before for, for something. I can't remember what they did, but they, I remember the team in a year or two prior to that going to, a uh, an, uh, Michigan, I believe it was where they had to get out of the stands, get out of everything and go into a, uh, the locker room, which was, um, you know, cement walls and everything because the sky apparently turned black and they had a tornado warning. Well, we kind of had the same thing in Oklahoma City. It didn't wasn't that dramatic, but it was a tornado warning where we had to leave the facility and not seek cover because it was a lower warning. Yeah. And the sky didn't turn black, but it did turn a color I've never seen. And it rained pretty hard. But what happened was, if I remember, um, again, this is all off my memory, the Beavers were were up in their – it was their first game. They were up on Arizona, who was number one at the time. I almost mm -hmm. want to say Jenny Finch was was pitching. And they were up one nothing when the delay happened. In fact, I think they I almost want to say they had a runner on second base with nobody out. Up one nothing. And then the delay happened. A couple hours we come back. Arizona shuts it all down, turns it around, wins it by a close score. Then the Beavers had to play Arizona State, who was, I think, number two in the country. Yeah. And uh out and two, but they did go and they went through Cal and the super regionals to get there. So they played PAC 12 or PAC 10 team in the supers and two PAC 10 teams in the women's college world series. Mm -hmm. Never even got a chance to play any of these other teams. And again, the half the field was from the PAC 12 or PAC 10 conference. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, some, some interesting experiences with softball, but, uh, it was great. It was great to, uh, and then I got to meet some of the ESPN broadcasters, 
Um, and uh, one writer who was pretty famous, I, I'm drawing a blank now, but all of that to say that... It's okay. The, I don't remember anything that happened in 2006 either. Yeah. What were you, like five? Uh, I was six. I was eight years old. <laughs> well, it was a good year. <laughs> it was, it, a, pretty it good was year. a good year. Let's take our final break this hour. We'll come back and, and then uh, take your texts, your phone calls, anything else. 541-497-5356. Our thanks to Laura Berg there on 1240 Joe Radio. When a restaurant has been around for as long as Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill, it says a lot. It says the food is good, and that's a fun place to go. At Tommy's, they serve breakfast anytime, plus lunch and dinner seven days a week. There's a lounge with a full bar, pool tables, and all your favorite Oregon lottery games. Ask about Tommy's famous Beaver Buster breakfast. If you can eat it all in an hour, it's free. And for special events, Tommy's has a large banquet room downstairs. For good food and fun times, stop by Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be. Power Motorsports Spring Closeout is going on now. There's powerful savings on select Yamaha vehicles throughout the dealership. Ride off for the new 2022 Yamaha YZF R7 World GP 60th Anniversary Edition Sport Bike for just $10,299. Or the new 2022 Yamaha YZ85 Dirt Bike priced at $57.99. If you're looking for summer fun, start the ride at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Online at PowerMotorsports.com. Professional riders on closed area. Rush properly to your ride with a helmet, eye protection, and Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis floor covering, and go Beavs. T Boone Pickens. Yes, we got it. T Boone Thank Pickens. Thank you, Google. That's who uh, was their money man. I didn't realize he passed three years ago. Yeah, in, uh, 20, on 9-11, I think, 2019. So he, he was uh, 91. He was their money guy. The question is, does the money keep coming in after? Well, he has a trust, I'm sure. That money doesn't just go away. Well, it, the money he's already pledged doesn't go away, but what about new money? Uh, I mean, it might be in his will. Because uh, sometimes when they his pass, will or- and a son or a grandson or daughter or whoever takes Ooh. over, and they go, yeah, I'm not really into sports. And I was going to say, but like when people have that much money, when they, they, they obviously put all their affairs in order when they know they're getting up there. And when he's 91, so right, I'm right. sure he knew right. that eventually he was going to pass away. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing he probably had just had a... Uh, That'd be a so tough he, one. He, he just had his trust say, hey, out of my trust, donate $20 million a year to Oklahoma State. Oh, man. Until they run out. But I mean, the school's not going to say no to that. No, of course not. No, it's just, it's, uh, it, things change. They yeah. change. I know they change a little bit when Al Reeser passed, but the yeah. Reesers have been, the, the family has still been very, very good to Oregon State. And but, Phil Knight, uh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but uh, Phil Knight, for however old he is, you know, his money's probably, he's not going to stop going to Oregon. Something. His money's not going to stop going to Oregon eventually. Uh, you know, no, I don't, I don't, it's not a, a well, given. Well, he's not going to turn around and just give it all to Oregon State instead. No, but it's it's not a given. It could be no. all from that person. And then after that, the family can do whatever they want. So, but do, could it work out this way though? But the person, while they're still alive and have control of their own finances, Say this month, this wealth, this equity is going in a trust. 
They can. And the trust, I'm going to write in my will that the trust will give X university X amount of money until they it runs can, out. but they don't always do it. No, they don't. They I don't, don't always I, do it. We don't have T Boone Pickens as well. And the so. family doesn't always continue at the rate that the original giver did uh, things. But can they overrule that? Can they? Uh, no, they, if let's say they don't put it into their will and they, you just assume the family will continue to do it. Mm-hmm. You can't assume that because no, no, they're no, not no, going to no, do it. Now people can do whatever they want with their own money. Yes. And if dad is the big fan of the team and he owns the business and he dies, mom and the kids may not be real big fans. Yeah, correct. And it's too bad, but they can, just, if he didn't put it in the will, they can do whatever they want and it kind of dries up. But you can also say, can you please keep giving to him or a certain percentage as it comes in? Something like that. Probably, yeah. Or um, in his well, X amount of profits from whatever like business with, is going to. I mean, think about it. With Paul Allen's sister. Yeah. Who, she what? didn't have to do anything. She no. could sell that team as fast it's all as in she a trust. wants to. It's all in a trust. By the way, I was just sent a tweet that they are, uh, what was the, John Canzano went on 950 uh, or now 93.3 KJR in Seattle and said that um, once the Blazers are sold, they won't move. Uh, they won't move anywhere, yada, yada, yada. But they're they're looking for new owners. Now both, that's, both teams are. That is timely to what we're talking about right here. Oh, let, sorry. I, I scrolled down. There were two tweets sent. So the Blazers and Seahawks will soon be put up for sale, which is required in the trust mm. left by Paul Allen. Why would he? Why would he require that she sell it? What if she wanted to keep them? They're they're not hurt. I I, I don't know. But Unless again, t- they're his teams, and like I said, with the with the money in the trust, it's like it's written there. Yeah. If X happens, right. this is going to happen with right. my stuff, and that's what's going to happen. That's but, too bad because she. What's I don't remember her name, but mm-hmm. she, the sister, from what I had heard and read, was kind of getting into it and going to games and and uh, you know becoming involved in some uh, you know some some leadership decisions. Yeah. Whereas prior to his death and and right after his death, she was just like I, I don't I'm not a sports fan I don't care. And you're thinking oh great now what happens? But then I I read that she was starting to really become interested in. You kind of felt like she would keep the team, but say, if he wrote she gets, it in his trust. She's still going to keep an ownership stake, but again, the, it is still his trust, So, and and he wrote to for it to be sold. So I don't know if it, if did, it, uh, if it mattered it, too much. Did it say anything about keeping the team in the trust or just they hope that no, the, they no, keep it the was, team in the cities? It was uh, keeping the teams in the cities. Yeah, okay. So keeps the team Portland in Portland. And the Seahawks are not moving, but well, that'll be really interesting to see what happens with the Blazers. Yeah, the Bla- I mean, that's two very valuable commodities, especially and especially an NFL team. NFL teams are. Uh, if you're owning the Blazers, you're also owning the Moda Center. Yep. For a while there, he went bankrupt on the Moda Center, which made a lot of people mad because he's a billionaire. Why should a billionaire be able to go bankrupt? But it's all just moving shells around. Yep. And got it back. That'll be very interesting to see what happens. It'll with be that. interesting, and and what's here's here's something I haven't thought about. The Moda Center is almost thirty years old. Really, nineteen ninety four. It doesn't seem that way. I can't believe it. Thirty years old. It's pre- it's a pretty nice arena. I ha- I was overhearing a conversation. I won't say who. I don't want to incriminate anybody and make them feel bad. But it was a while back, and it was at my house and. Someone was asking, well, 
why doesn't Portland have an NHL team? And this person was talking as if, as if they knew, but they didn't know. And I didn't have a chance to kind of chime in and say, well, actually, no, this is the way it is. But they were saying, oh, no, no, it's not the right size, and, and the Blazers don't want to do that, and blah, blah, blah. No. When the Moda Center, when the Rose Garden was first built, it was built to NHL specifications on the chance that Paul Allen might want to bring in an NHL team. And so it's ready to go as an NHL facility. Mm-hmm. Without doubt, everything is there, ready to go. He just never wanted to pull the trigger. And um, the Winterhawks, and that was another question, uh, well, what, what, what do they do with them? Oh, they play over at the Coliseum. They don't play at the – well, they do. They Half their games are at the, at the Moda Center, and half their games are at the Coliseum. I've been to both. A blast. It's absolutely a blast. Even though it's junior hockey, it's still fun. It is. Yeah, it is. And um, and so, but it was built for that. But it was 30 years. It's already been 30 years. And I remember, I remember a long time before it was built thinking, we need a new arena, we need a new arena. And I said we because I was in Portland as a Blazer fan. Now, for the past 23 years, I've been in Corvallis as a Beaver fan. And so it's it's not we anymore when I talk about the Blazers. But That's crazy. I never think that place yeah. is that old. <clears throat> I know. And it's held up really well. It I, has, they, yeah. They haven't really had to do a lot of too much fixing of the interior, and it's it's all good. But who knows? And I say all that to say that this new new owner, per your tweet that you just read, may may there has been some mention of they might build it. They building could build a new, a new facility one. and building a new one, you know, out of the city. This kind of a thing. Yeah, I was going to say, and you look up the road, and um, there eventually there will be a, probably a new basketball team up the road in in, in Seattle. Eventually, when the NBA expands, <laughs> I hope so. when the NBA expands, there will be, and they will have a very a nicer, newer arena. Now, will they be able to use the word the the team Supersonics? Uh, I assume so. I don't know why not. Yeah, sometimes the I don't think I don't I, I wouldn't say Oklahoma City like owns right. You know, it's like the the Raven, the 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 Browns moving to Baltimore yeah. and becoming the Ravens right. and then a new franchise, the Browns pop up in Cleveland. Like Sometimes like the current owners have to say, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead, you can have it." it depends on how it's written up when yeah. they sell it. Anyway, our thanks to Laura Burke. Second hour is wide open. We've got some audio to play and talk about uh, rivalries among coaches in leagues, but also for uh, we'll go over the, the the brackets for both softball and baseball because tomorrow is baseball for the tournament. All of that coming up here on the Joe Beaver Show, twelve forty. Okay, Joe Radio. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is K E J O Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And twelve forty. Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your Money Now. More confirmation of slowing global growth today. The latest data from S&P Global Surveys show that business activity at services businesses in the U.S., Eurozone, U.K., and Australia all grew more slowly in May amid rising prices. S&P's Purchasing Managers Index surveys also indicated factories in major global economies face supply chain disruptions related to COVID-19 surges and the Ukraine war, as well as higher fuel costs and rising wages. U.S. stocks are firmly in the red, thanks in part to those economic growth concerns. The Dow Industrials down 183 points. The S&P 500 lower by 63. The Nasdaq Composite has skidded 360 or 3.1 percent. Samsung Group says it will invest about $356 billion over the next five years in its semiconductor and biopharmaceuticals businesses, as well as other next-generation technologies where global competition is intensifying. That's your money now.
Hi, Tom Bodette here. Have you ever noticed how people talk in that same weird voice to their dogs? Just like this? Well, it sure gets a dog's tail wagging. Wondering if I can get your ears all perked up the same way when I tell you that pets stay free at Motel 6. With a clean, comfortable room and a great low rate. Now, who's a good human? I think you are. I'm <laughs> Tom Bodette for Motel 6, the proud sponsor of pets. And we'll leave the light on for you. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. 99 out of 100 times kid goes missing. Kid is with a parent or relative. What about the other time? The one. The global phenomenon. That turned the world upside down. She's our friend and she's crazy. Finally returns. I don't have my powers. On May 27th. I'm afraid your friends at Hawkins are very much in the eye of the storm. Get ready for the summer's most anticipated event. See on the other side. On the other side. Stranger Things Season 4 Volume 1 begins May 27th. Motorsport Spring Closeout is going on now. There's powerful savings on select Yamaha vehicles throughout the dealership. Ride off for the new 2022 Yamaha YZF R7 World GP 60th Anniversary Edition Sport Bike for just $10,299. Or the new 2022 Yamaha YZ85 Dirt Bike priced at $57.99. If you're looking for summer fun, start the ride at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Online at PowerMotorsports.com. Professional riders on closed area. Rush properly to your ride with a helmet, eye protection, and protective riding gear. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. It's back, the popular Friday night prime rib dinner at Tristine Tree Golf Course. Every Friday night throughout the summer, enjoy delicious prime rib dinner at the tree. You can dine inside or outside on their newly remodeled patio overlooking the course. Other dinner options include salmon or steak and shrimp. For reservations, call the Tristine Tree Pro Shop at 713-4653. That's 713-4653. Prime rib Friday night dinners are back at Tristine Tree Golf Course. See you there. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, here with another Golf Minute to tell you to take a flyer. Every player I know, both amateurs and professionals alike, are faced with hitting out of the rough. But amateurs approach a shot from light rough as if it were heavy rough. They take the club back steeply and then pull down hard, stopping at impact. This might be okay for the thick stuff, but not for the light rough. Playing an iron shot out of light rough should be almost similar to hitting one on the fairway, with one key difference. Take one less club. Instead of hitting a 5-iron, hit a 6-iron. Because the grass will come between the club face and ball at impact, you'll generally hit it further with more velocity and less spin. After selecting the right club, set up square. Swing with your normal swing path at a normal pace and unwind your hips and shoulders and be sure to swing through the ball. So remember, take one less club with hitting from the light rough. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Here at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. I'm firing up the grill for burgers and want to impress the neighbors. This bourbon has a smoky flavor that'll go great with your grilling. Nice! Wow, and look at that price. Well done. I prefer medium rare. <laughs> your neighbors will love it. Find what you love Love what you find. Only at Total Wine and More. Pick up and delivery available at TotalWine.com. Drink responsibly, B21. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver with advanced technology and equipment so we can reach over 160 million addresses across the country. We're delivering for fingers, doers, movers, shakers, groundbreakers, future makers, innovators, trailblazers, disruptors, streamers, dreamers. So no matter what business you're in, will always be delivering for you. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to another day in the life of the Joe Beaver Show with Mike Parker, whose name brings instant recognition. It's a Mr. Parker. Who? Mr. Parker. Who? 30, 25, 20, Ken! I'm pretty busy right now, Mr. Parker. Yes. No, 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 Mr. Parker. Now, just, just calm yourself. Goodbye. I'm excitable. Yeah. Mr. Parker is not alone, of course. Hey, yeah. which way did the other fella go? Uh, the other fella was yeah. another fella. You wait right here. I'll go get Warren. Uh, John Warren, the most humble man in sports. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I helped write the game. No. Oh, toured the world, giving lessons and also lecturing. This is good. This is real good. I'm, I'm really proud of our team. And the Joe Beaver Show always seeks fellowship. Is there a doctor on the stands? Why, yes, I'm a doctor. How do you like the game, Doc? So, here living the doc life are Mike Parker and John Warren with the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. It's uh, John Warren and T.J. Matthewson. Mike is uh, on the on the bus, on the plane. I think they're probably right about now they'd be busing down to the airport or up to Portland. I don't know. I just know that we do welcome you here to our number two of today's program, I am so excited, TJ, because we have softball. I don't have any, it's the first weekend where I don't have any responsibilities because I've had funerals, uh, one funeral, and I had a couple of weddings to go to, uh, a planned trip with some friends to the beach last weekend, which was a blast. Everything was great. Um, But this weekend, it's all about, oh, and uh, Kim is going to go visit family, so I've got got the clicker all to myself. Oh, boy. And I can uh, work in the yard on the the daytimes and listen to the Mariners, listen to the Beavers. Your neighbors like parties? Uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) we could. Actually, there's my deck is a mess right now, but, but, but. No one allowed on the deck. It's the first, it's just so, I mean, you've got Friday night softball. Okay, now, that'll be at nighttime. I can't really run the skill saw uh-huh. past that time anyway, so that'll be time to shut it down and go in and watch softball on ESPNU, by the way, Oregon yes. State and Stanford, 7.30. Then, hopefully the Beavers are still playing baseball at that time. Now, Friday Friday's interesting. an off day for everybody, or at least no, for, for the winner's bracket. Winner's bracket, right, day. right, right. And then um, pick it up Saturday and, uh, and Sunday for the championship. It's, as far as the brackets go, yeah. but I'm just so looking forward to to this time of year, playoff time. And of course, uh, the the Prepsters have their baseball uh, playoffs coming up, and same as softball. Softball's championships are going to be down in Eugene. I'm actually going to go down and call uh, the championship Saturday. Well, Friday, two I think it's two games on Friday and three on Saturday for the OSAA. Something I haven't done, gosh, in a long time because of COVID and. And in uh, my baseball responsibilities with Oregon State, so that'll be fun, and get back into that. And so there's just a lot to do before it all kind of comes to a stop, like we talked about at the opening of the last hour. Our programming schedule is to go two hours on Tuesday, and then just a one-hour show, which is all extra. We normally just shut it down, but an extra hour because of the Beavers in the regionals, and hopefully the Super Regionals, and hopefully Omaha. Yeah. And so we'll keep it going. And an hour is fine. It's You don't need to worry about getting guests, which would be hard to do when there isn't anything going on with sports. And it can just be really a prelude to uh, here's what's going on for the next game for Oregon State. And that'll be great because Selection Monday, we find out who's coming to Corvallis, the other three teams for the regional. 
and uh, and of course everybody else. Do you get into? Um, and I ask this of you and anybody who's listening. Uh, the phone line, of course, downward dog phone line is five four one four nine seven five three five six, and the uh, uh, University Haunted text line, same number. Do you get into projections? I don't, and I almost find them insulting. Like, uh, like D one baseball projecting the field. Yes, and I love Aaron Fit, Kendall Rogers, um, the guy we had on uh, the uh, first Mike Rooney. Pro- Mike Rooney. Yeah, I- everything they do, but they put so much effort into. Okay, these teams will be going to Corvallis. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, well, you you have a lot. So those guys, they they're they're very smart. They watch a lot of college baseball, and they brilliant. They know they know, they know how the committee thinks with. Um, I, some of it is based off of where you are. Uh, some of it is just like, you know, your ballpark RPI. So, you know, the three and the four seeds usually are, are the four seed is usually a team on the West Coast. Right. It will be a team on the West Coast, which I actually don't think was the case for their latest projection. They had North Dakota State as the four seed coming here, mm. which I thought was curious. Uh, and funny enough, it was, you know, Oregon State, the fourth national seed. Do you know who's the 13 seed? Huh. The Ducks. Really? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that too because would be awesome. <coughs> do they have? I didn't look at it. I yeah. don't. I. I just. I don't even waste my time. And again, that's nothing against them. It's just why look at that when mm-hmm. the real thing is just around the corner. People like to look at it. I know. I yeah. know. I don't. I don't get into that. I just. I. I'm like. <laughs> I don't care that that. People like Stony to speculate. Brook is people like to dream. To people Alice. like to dream. Hey, well, no, let's let's tone down the Stony Brook disrespect. It's <laughs> a Matthewson School alum. Is it okay? Oh, sorry about that. It, it just You're came, welcome, it Mom. came to mind. Um. Anyway, it's yeah. That's so. I, I didn't even look at the projections, but I do care about projections for things like the top eight. Yeah. Because that you know you know you can get into. You can be in there. And what do the experts think as far as Seven, eight, and then the first one out. So, so those the top eight does matter, and I'll, I'll absolutely. I'm going to pull it that. up really quick. So off the top of my head, from what I remember, where is it? I'm trying to find it. So here's what we're going to look at. Uh, the top seed is still Tennessee. Uh, I don't think they're going to move off that no, spot. They're, no, not they're, at all. They're they're locked into the number one spot. I I think they could go two and out in the SEC tournament, and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Uh, let's see. May 18th. Was that the most recent one? I think it was. Let's see. Um, looking at this. Da, da, nope. That one's still Corvallis is number two. They put out a more recent one. Uh, if we can find it. Assistant, oh, here we go. I scrolled right past it. Nice job. That had Peach. Oregon State the number two overall seed? Uh, no. This most <laughs> recent one, that, that was the one from last week before the UCLA series. Now it goes Tennessee one, Virginia Tech two. Yeah. Stanford three. Yeah, I know Stanford leapfrog. Yep. Corvallis, uh, Oregon State four. Okay. Okay. So again, so what we think about, and Mike was like, well, we, it would feel more comfortable if Oregon State won a game or two in Scottsdale. Yeah. I think it would be pretty hard for the Beavers to drop five seeds out, out of the top eight with two losses. The only thing a, that makes you nervous. Tournament. <coughs> Excuse me. The only thing that makes you nervous is. The UCLA series. Well, yeah. and, and then Arizona. The last two series. I know you you end on a winning note, winning that third game. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. But losing the two back-to-back series, that hurts. Now, those two teams are very high yep. in the RPI. 
but still, it, it's just it's not a great optic. And it's recency bias, yeah. But the but the committee will try not to let recency bias affect them. And you'd also, uh, in retrospect, need teams to jump you. So mm-hmm. Oregon State still is the number two team in RPI still after yeah. after their two weeks slot. That to me should speak. Yeah, almost all of it, which shows the body of work of right. what they have done and what right. how the the quality of wins they have this year, which overall, despite the losses towards the end of the season, is good enough for a national seed. You that means you'd need one of you'd need Miami, Maryland, Louisville, and Texas A and M. Wow, that is quite the list of national seeds uh, to jump you, which I don't think happens. No, but but one win would make you feel a lot better. Correct. Man, Maryland is a national seed. That's crazy. I know. When was the last time they were? I well, I'm going to take a swing and say never. Certainly, not on a consistent basis. No. Who was it that had the national seed and had to quit because of COVID? It was the middle of the the playoffs when they stopped. Oh, in the College World Series last year, it was NC State. Was that last year or two years ago? Uh, it was and it was la- no, it was State. last year. Yep. Yeah, it was last year because there two years ago and there was no College World Series. Oh, they had to pull out because of COVID. COVID. They were in a problems. national. They were the ones who beat Arkansas number one. Which yeah, is, and they know, were hot. And they, they were hot. They yep. had a COVID situation. They were in the, the they were thing, in the winners bracket too. They were rolling. Yeah, and didn't the same thing happen to them in football with their bowl game? Yeah, when they when UCLA canceled day of. Yeah, right. UCLA canceling. Right. Yeah. Right. And people, that's right, because it was like, oh, poor NC State. Yeah, and then their women's basketball, this team as a number one seed, had to play on the road in a regional Yeah, against UConn. So people were, I remember seeing people on Twitter pissed about that. <laughs> but uh, overall, I mean, for the Pac-12, first of all, very favorable, uh, a very favorable draw in regionals, although, you know, pitting two Pac-12, against, two Pac-12 regionals together in the bracket with Oregon State at four and and Which Oregon at 13. A super a super would connection. Be, yeah. Oh, man. With Stanford, you know, uh, on their own. But Well, we've got to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah. But, I, I, again, the conversation, most important part of it is the top eight seeds. Good point about the RPI. Anybody who would have to leapfrog them. But I would still feel a lot better with at least one win. Yeah. Now, Jaron Hunter will get the start. That has been announced. So he'll get the start. To, you know, Cooper went, he would have to go, the, he could go the next day on a Thursday. Yep. They gave him six days from Arizona to UCLA. It would be a full seven days then to get back to uh, game number two if Jaron can get through and beat the Huskies. Which I think he will. He's been very good. He has. The last three midweek starts, I don't think he's given up a run. And Jerpy would start on Wednesday if the Beavers needed to win this tournament. To yeah. make the tournament. If they had to, they, Jerpy's throwing on, on Wednesday. But they don't. So there, there's no there, there's no reason to, to 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 throw Cooper on short rest when you're in. You're, you're the number two RPI. You you don't need to 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 throw guys out of the rhythm, especially right. starters who need that rhythm. It still makes you nervous though, because of the rivalry. Yeah. The fact that you swept the Huskies back in April. Yep. The rivalry. Meaning you you swept them, they're going to want blood, as they should in the rivalry. And the fact that they're playing some of their best baseball right now, and you're not. They swept UCLA. Yes. And that makes you kind of go, <laughs> okay, it's not a guarantee. No, it's and not. And you're not using any one of your weekend starters to go up against them, which you did, obviously, when you played them in April. 
it's just sticking to script. You do what you've done all season. I mean, when when Oregon State played Gonzaga with those two midweek series, the Gonzaga was among the two best teams, uh, among probably the three best teams OSU's played all season. But on that Monday and Tuesday game, they weren't saving like a Jake Fenigs or, or or a Cooper Jerpy. Hey, Coop, we're going to push you back four days to face Gonzaga because they're a top 10 team coming here in a midweek. No, we're still going to go with who we normally go on a midweek. And the Beavers yeah. ended up splitting those two games with Gonzaga because eventually, you know, if you're truly the better team, you, you will win. Right, right. It happens. Washington State and USC were the two teams that did not make it in. And Utah. Um, and Utah. Yep. So those three teams did not make it into the tournament. The inaugural tournament, there will be one for softball next year. And as we heard from Laura, not this interview, but two interviews back, um, we asked her about that. And the softball tournament apparently will kind of move around. Yeah, Pac-12 it'll sites. eventually come here. They still need to build on Kelly Field a little bit. Right. I think a few more stands and they need locker rooms as well. Which I don't We We talked about this then. They don't need them. Why do they need them? They just they go back to the hotel. Which, well, the other teams need them on site. What for? Well, it's a tournament. You're hosting eight teams. Well, you come in on your bus and get ready to play. She said they need it. And they sh- I know, I know. I'm not, it's so, not against you. Conference, probably, there's, there's a conference standard. Uh, lots to talk about today. Um, we, one thing we haven't yet posed as a question, which we can right now before I go to Paul here on the University, or the Downward Dog phone line, 541-497-5356. And that is, with softball moving theirs around, and with baseball coming up, and joking about the 100-plus temperatures for all mm. the whole week coming up, should it move? Should it be, should it be somewhere else? Because it's going to be hot. Now, you in the office, the, in my office earlier, were trying to downplay the, the heat issue. But it's a factor. It's it a huge factor. So we can throw that what? out there. Let's go to the phones real quick and bring in Paul to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, Paul. Uh, hey, John. I want to. I want to talk to TJ about our poor Mariners, man. Oh boy, you go know? for it. <laughs> Every time I turn on a game, I see a new guy at the plate. I've never heard his name before, and then a pitcher comes in. Who's this guy? Never seen him before. You know, last night this Mills guy comes in, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even give an get an out. He gives up three runs, and never records an out. And uh, the Mariners escaped from it because they didn't give up any more runs, and they won by that one run. But I think it's just it's crazy that they're they're having to. I don't know if it's injuries and they have to keep on reaching for different guys or what's going on. So. Uh, I think it was Penn Murphy. I think you meant, uh, I think it was Penn Murphy who came in the game last night and, um, and gave up those three runs. But uh, so this is, this was like one of my concerns at the beginning of the year with the roster being a little bit too thin uh, and relying too too much on the starters. So uh, in retrospect, when guys have gotten hurt and they've uh, had an injury to, to their best reliever, Eric Swanson so far. So you have to call on a guy like Penn Murphy. Uh, But by the way, Paul, Penn Murphy had been pretty good before that. I don't think he had given up an earned run before that outing, so I can get him, give him a little bit of a break uh, for that. And the Mariners did eventually come back and win, but I, I do agree. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of now watching. We're uh, I don't know, 40 games in, give or take, um, about how how the roster has turned out through injury. Uh, I, I don't think it, it, it's deep enough to sustain. 
but they have gotten the toughest part of their schedule out of the way. And even though you're right, they did scoot by Oakland last night and, you know, really annoying why that game was even bother being close to the A's or, you know, not even really trying to win. Uh, but, well, we just got to give it time, I guess, is what I'm saying. Which <laughs> well, I hate, I, guess, to, I really I hate to say because... I, guy before. That's, that's the first time I've seen him, so I don't know, you know, hadn't heard of him before. Yeah, and I hate to but, say yeah, and, giving uh, time because I've given them... And Mitch Hanniger's still out. When's he coming back? I, uh, in, a, in a couple weeks, I think, I hope. It was a high ankle sprain, and high ankle sprains always take uh, quite a while to uh, to come back from. And it was really weird. He, he, a high ankle sprain on a swing, too. It wasn't He didn't foul it off. He didn't foul a ball off his ankle. He didn't twist it on a base. No, he was just in the box, and his cleats got you know stuck in the mud, which just... That's just what we call bad luck, uh, I would say. But they, they really do need Hanniger back because the, the right field situation has not been great. Yeah, that was an untimely retirement. Yeah, and, uh, well, at least uh, Rodriguez has come around and is hitting pretty good oh now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, he, I think he's already their best player, if we're going to be honest. I think uh, he, he, he had the first, you know, three weeks where he really struggled. He's hitting, like, 100. But since that point, he's been hitting, like, 320. He's had all of his home runs. I mean, last night he struck out a couple times, but he also had a couple of base hits. And he has that first home that run, at home, home. that that home run he hit last night. I mean, that's some special kind of power, you know, going opposite right center field. Uh, and it's just amazing to me that kid is 21 years of age. He's he, throughout the minors was graded as like an average runner, an average like defender in the outfield, and he's been like one of the probably five best defensive center fielders in baseball. And probably the best base runner in baseball. Not base runner. Fastest. One of the fastest. It's been awesome. He's amazing. Right, right. And, uh, well, I think that the Mariners' best reliever is Paul Seawald. Uh, you mentioned Swanson, but Seawald is just, uh, I don't know, he's, uh, he's almost unhittable. Yeah, he is. He, I mean, whatever they discovered with him last year, it, it really clicked for him. And I'm really happy for him because... He bounced around so much uh, before uh, he got to the Mariners, and he mentioned his time with the Mets, and he he came out and said after that Mets series, he's like, well, they gave up on me and, hmm. and shipped me off, and, and here I am now in Seattle, and Seattle believes me, and that's why he was taunting Mets fans <laughs> at, during that <laughs> series, which I think was hilarious. But I'm, I'm so happy for a guy like Paul Seawald to come in here and succeed, and you're right. He's been like the one consistent guy in the bullpen who's been healthy and good, which is a good combination. You feel better, Paul? Any any more cathartic from uh, talking to TJ? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how it goes in the next few weeks. It's just it seems like the Mariners are just snake bit for some reason, and oh, it's yeah. just I, I don't know. They just they can't get that time to hit. And uh, I was going to say. Uh, Opposite field power, all off Forrester for the Beavers. How's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's go. true. Yep. There you go. Thanks for the call, Paul. Uh, anybody else want to chime in? We'll take a break here in just a bit. Boy, I'm glad you're from Seattle. Mm-hmm. That was a great breakdown. And uh, I was listening to the pregame show yesterday while running an errand, and it was just the time that I turned it on. They were saying, well, you know, the Mariners, they just, they're back home. Just get a win. Just just going to get a win tonight. Win a series. And, and keep going. And, of course, uh, they dominate. The A's absolutely dominate them the last year and a half. 13 wins in a row. Yeah, 13 straight over Oakland. Although 7-6, it was 7-6 early, and I I saw that score and thought, uh, I hope they're not going to lose this one in the last inning. Yeah, I, 
again, I was a little worried. And I'm, uh, to be honest, if we're going to be honest, I'm pretty frustrated with how the Mariners have been this season. They, sure, a lot of people they, They've played the good teams, and they've stunk against the good teams. And they just got swept by a last-place team mm-hmm. in Boston. Yeah. But it's still very early. It's still Memorial Day. There's still time for them to turn it around. There's an extra playoff spot this year. Get to the All-Star break and be 500 or a little bit over. Just you, Then you just need two good months. You, you play two good months with a healthy roster, and you go from there. I, am I certain they're going to do that? No. I don't think the starting pitching holds up. They haven't even had a starting pitching injury yet, I, which is like the most important thing to keep healthy because once your starters go down, you know, you're turning to your next guys, and you're like, well, these guys probably shouldn't be big league starters. And at the back end of the rotation, you have – uh, you know, you have either George Kirby or Matt Brash, both of whom are on innings limits. And by the time you hit August and September, probably can't pitch as much. Did you guys talk about Kyle Lewis? Yeah, Kyle Lewis should be activated. Today. Yeah, he should. He should be. I hope I'm I'm hopeful for Kyle Lewis. I don't I still don't believe he's fully healthy because he's playing. He spent 20 days in Tacoma on his rehab assignment, but he mostly DH. He played one game in the field for seven innings. That's it. Mm. Now, good lucky thing for him, the Mariners' DHs during that stretch have been horrid, absolutely horrid. They've been like a 170 hitter as DHs. So if he can come up and be a fine DH, mm-hmm. that's great. But Ryan Divish, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, put it best. He, they record a, a podcast uh, every couple of weeks for the Seattle Times, and they talk about the Mariners, and he, put, he puts it a great way. He's like, Kyle Lewis right now for the Mariners is an idea, the idea that that he can be something. Now, if he goes out there and proves it and stays healthy the rest of the year, that'll be great. I'm just not sure how much I trust his knee because he doesn't even seem to think he's that healthy because they haven't, haven't even activated no, him. No, that's not, that's not good. But the report was he may be back back as soon as today. Okay, got a break. 541-497-5356. We'll get to your texts, and we'll uh, continue on here today with the Joe Beaver Show, and we're going to go to break with a little love for the Mariners. Here's the pitch on the way. Swing a well-hit ball deep down the left field line. Stay fair. Goodbye, baseball. Cal Raleigh with his fourth home run of the season. Hey, this is Randy Holmes. We're still getting fired up down here at the Anchor Beaver Grill. Introducing Throwdown Thursday with country line dancing beginning at 8 p.m. Can't dance but want to learn? They'll teach you a new dance every week. Don't forget our Tuesday night trivia beginning at 7 o'clock. Wednesday nights featuring all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner for seven bucks, and get the best prime rib dinner in town every Friday night. So let's get fired up and have some fun down here at the Angry Beaver on Fourth Street in downtown Corvallis. When a restaurant has been around for as long as Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill, it says a lot. It says the food is good, and that's a fun place to go. At Tommy's, they serve breakfast anytime, plus lunch and dinner seven days a week. There's a lounge with a full bar, pool tables, and all your favorite Oregon lottery games. Ask about Tommy's famous Beaver Buster breakfast. If you can eat it all in an hour, it's free. And for special events, Tommy's has a large banquet room downstairs. For good food and fun times, stop by Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. At Sweetgrass Physical Therapy and Wellness in Corvallis, we fix body problems. Got an ache, a pain, a sprain, or a strain? We can fix that. Got your knee out of whack or a knot in your back? We can help with that. I'm Dana Hughes, physical therapist and board-certified orthopedic specialist. I'm now accepting new patients. Come experience what physical therapy is meant to be. Relaxed, friendly, and hassle-free. No referral required, and we accept most insurances. Visit SweetgrassPT.com. 
If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go Beavs! Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 73 years and is still here to help with all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating, cooling, and exhaust venting equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. Middleton offers several financing options for new equipment and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Give them a call or find them online at middletonheating.net. It's back. The popular Friday night prime rib dinner at Tristine Tree Golf Course. Every Friday night throughout the summer, enjoy a delicious prime rib dinner at the tree. You can dine inside or outside on their newly remodeled patio overlooking the course. Other dinner options include salmon or steak and shrimp. For reservations, call the Tristine Tree Pro Shop at 713-4653. That's 713-4653. Prime Rib Friday night dinners are back at Tristine Tree Golf Course. See you there. You're a Pacific Northwest. You your skin. You're not from Tennessee. You, from, you, from spend, you spend all, all spring like we just had. Waking up every day and it's cloudy outside and overcast and it's raining again. <laughs> it's snowing in April and you're like, oh man. So you've got. So you go down to Scottsdale and you walk out of Sky Harbor. You walk towards the rental cars. You walk walk towards waiting a Lyft or an Uber to pick you up and just roll your sleeve, your long sleeves back because it's getting a little warm and you feel uh-huh. the sun just baking your skin. You're like. And it's great for wow, that feels great. Twenty seconds. That feels amazing. And you, and you actually you know what you think? You're like, wow. You actually I, I could use a pool right now, and all the all the all the options Scott still has. You at, feel at, that at my, way when nice, you get off the jetway. My my nice resort. When yeah, when you press your hand up against the window and yeah. you feel it's baking already. You know that it's already hot. I think it's too hot. Hundred and plus, hundred plus. I was in Vegas one time yeah. with my son, and you know we always hear about it's a dry heat, it's a dry heat. That's true. I've like a lot of Beaver fan. We followed Oregon State down to the south, LSU in the fall. It was like 85, 90 degrees, but 100% humidity. You're just drenched inside your clothes. That would be a horrible way to live. So you go back and you go to Vegas or you go to Arizona somewhere where it's 100 plus, but it's really dry, and I asked myself once, as we left a very cool restaurant, the Shake Shack, on the Vegas Strip. Mm, Shake Shack. And I thought, no, no, even though it's a dry heat, no, it's too hot. And I couldn't wait to get back into an air-conditioned building. It's so hot that it would just drain everybody, which we'll find out this weekend. Now, in Scottsdale, you have Carson Berry, who will be golfing. For Oregon State University, what is that? Friday, I think, is when it starts. The women's tournament is at Greyhawk right now. Yep. And you've got Carson Berry going to represent Oregon State men's golf this weekend. At the same time, baseball is going on. And just in my own personal life, my son is moving to Scottsdale in the next week. 
And so it's just kind of everything is converging on Scottsdale, Arizona. They want which, you to smile about Scottsdale. Sure, this is the world calling. I know. This is know. Scottsdale calling to you from afar. I know. I've dri- I don't even know if I've driven through it. We get off the the plane to go to Surprise no. and hit a no. freeway and go straight no, to Surprise. You a completely other direction. Okay, then I've never been to Scottsdale. It's amazing. Um, it, it it I keep saying it, but it really does have everything to make the experience worth it. Besides the baseball. It has the it has the facilities, it has the hotels, it has the restaurants, and you pack a little bit of sunscreen and drink some water. All right, well, let's go to the text because one, our most recent text deals with that. Actually, that's not the most recent, but uh, a listener writes in and says, baseball, now, I don't think this is Dave because he usually signs off DFT, so this would be the second vote for Reno. Baseball should move the tournament to Reno, high of 90 tomorrow, cooling to high of 70 by the weekend, great AAA stadium and plenty of hotels, easy travel for the teams. I agree 100%. Now, a little bit of a caveat to my 100%. I agree. I think it's great. I love Reno. It, the place has died because of uh, the casinos and all that. They, uh, when um, tribal casinos were allowed, it really Reno took a massive hit. And I went with men's basketball in 08. Now, that was a long time ago. I don't know how much it may have come back or not. But from the time that I used to go to Reno in the 80s with friends, we'd drive down there and do all that stuff. After you turn 21, be stupid, lose your money, and stuff like that. I hadn't been back for 20 years. And we go for a basketball game to take on Nevada Reno um, in 2008. I'm with the basketball team. And I, I was shocked at how many of the main hotels, Fitzpatrick's and others, that literally were boarded up. I mean, that's like apocalyptic type of thing yeah. you see. Now, the big one, the Silver Legacy was going. I don't know if it was going strong. Then there's one off the strip that's real big. And But I just was shocked because the biggest little city in the world, Reno, was looking really, was small. Looking really small, and it was looking all boarded up. Now, I don't know if that's changed in the last 14 years, but that was the shock that I had there. Um, as far as things to do, yeah, there's plenty to do, hotel, resort, pools, food, gambling, uh, gambling, and then maybe a trip to Tahoe if you want to, but at the same time, you're there to watch baseball. So yes, it's not a Pac-12 footprint, but how much is that needed? Do you need to be in a Pac-12 city or can you go away from a Pac-12 city for a tournament championship? Well, Pac-12 already does that with basketball and football. Yeah. So they, Las Vegas. it is reasonable, but and in that case, why don't you move the tournament to Vegas? Why don't you put the tournament in Vegas? They have a AAA field there. Too hot. Here's the problem: when we're we're we keep talking about too hot. We're like when this tournament takes place, it's summer pretty much, unless you're here, in which case we all just got out of winter. It feels like. Yeah, but that's a yeah, I, a historical cold it's wet an anomaly. spring anomaly. Yes, but it's gonna be hot in a lot of places. So, unless we want to move the tournament up here, it's probably going to be pretty hot no matter where you're playing. It, well, here's my thing. If you could somehow have some kind of guarantee with a major league team, but you can't because they have to rely on major league baseball to make their schedule. If there was some way to get the right dates, I think it should be in Seattle or rotate between Seattle and Los Angeles. Yeah. Now, Los Angeles doesn't have a roof, but you don't need it, and it doesn't get too hot. So... One of the major stadiums in either the Bay Area 
Los Angeles, or T-Mobile with the roof in case an anomaly rain shower comes in in the summertime, and even then you still deal with it, uh, would be great if you could make sure you work around, obviously, their scheduling and have something open. That way you're in more temperate temperatures. Mm -hmm. You're still in a Pac-12 footprint, and uh, you're in cities big enough with, a, with enough hotels. And T-Mobile Park, you, you mentioned, it, it would be a very good spot, I think, for, for the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I believe the Big 12 plays at Globe Life Park in Texas, so they are, they have a they have a major league stadium and a roof to control the climate. Right, with that to worry about. In retrospect, though, LA would be a good spot this year because it uh, rotates from a high of seventy five to a high of seventy two throughout the weekend. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff says, oh, oh, anyway, um, that was for Reno, and I would say that I like the Reno idea. I do. Supersonics named after a plane that was never produced or flown with Boeing moving headquarters east. They went to Chicago. Maybe a new name should be considered. I was talking about uh, if Seattle, if and when Seattle gets another team. I just love their, I love the history behind mm -hmm. it and all of that. It'd be like the Cleveland Browns, like you said. Just bring back the Sonics. I don't know. It's funny. I had learned that, and that's like, you know, sometimes you see teams' names, and you just you don't even think about it. I didn't even think of that. And at that. one point in time in my life, I know I, I knew that story. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right, Boeing, supersonic. Okay, that makes sense. But I had forgotten it for 40 years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why they were called the supersonics. So a, a different jet besides, say, the Concorde. Yeah, yeah, just some kind of supersonic. A new one, but then the Concorde went out of business because right, it was expensive. Right. Um, so that's from CVB. Appreciate that. Uh, also Dave says the discussion is a great one on, um, the whole thing about T Boone Pickens, Phil Knight, uh, Al Reeser, anybody who's got a lot of money and is, has, has traditionally given to, uh, their school of choice. And what do you do when they pass? Does the family continue to give? Uh, they can, if they want, it just all depends on what the person who controlled the money decided to do with their trust. And so uh, Dave uh, talked about that, that, but whoever is the person who's executed, the, the executor of said trust has to follow the instructions of the trust. Yep. You cannot deviate from that. So he works for the trust essentially. Right. And we were talking about um, Paul Allen's sister selling the Seahawks and the Blazers. You saw a tweet from John Canzano regarding that was there something else that we didn't follow uh, up with let's see let's see so the the two tweets i have what well, we let's just re-up this so john kenzano went up on kjr up in seattle uh and said the both the blazers and seahawks will soon be put up for sale per the trust per his own trust when he yeah. passed away john says that uh kenzano says jody allen wants to maintain the piece a piece of the seahawks if she can which hmm. is probably a smart idea nfl teams are a guaranteed uh um moneymaker sure kenzano also says that an nba team president said once the blazers are sold they will not move to seattle because seattle and vegas have already been earmarked for expansion which will happen after the new media rights deal uh comes into place after the current one expires in 2024 okay and then that's when jeff wrote in and said uh the the uh, Seattle, no, the what did he say? Seattle Trailblazers. The Seattle Trailblazers. Which, nah, I, I can't do it. Like, this, the Blazers and Sonics had a rival, a real rivalry, something that these two cities, like, they don't really, 
outside of the the Sounders and the Timbers, that's the only major sports rivalry between the two cities. Yeah, we've got to have something. And the MLS is like a clear rung below. Well, the, the other the night, Philadelphia and Portland were on, and I was channel surfing. I stopped on it, but it was a commercial, and I, I said, I'm not waiting for this, and moved on. They lost 4 nothing. I don't even report their scores in the morning. I probably should because I just don't. I don't know. It's a Portland thing. It really yeah. is a Portland thing. And you know what's weird is when I was in high school, actually grade school in 75, when the original Portland Timbers were in town as the North American Soccer League, loved it, got into it. And then through early high school when the NASL was still going and there was great rivalry with Seattle and Vancouver and used to go to games and they'd pack the place and it wasn't like it is now. They didn't have the Timbers Army or anything. It was just regular Americans watching the sport of soccer and rooting on your team. Now it's become very Europeanized, and that's fine. I just it's, It was just different. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I don't know why, but I can't get into it this second time around. Maybe it's because I'm too busy with Beaver stuff. Um, and uh, my wife and I have gone to a couple of Timbers games, and it's been a lot it's of fun. fun. The environment at soccer it's, games it's are, very fun. is phenomenal. Yeah, it's very fun. I will say, though, Providence Park, when you're sitting on the opposite side of the main structure, have you been to Providence? I have not. No. Well, somebody dropped the ball, and I'm the only one who noticed. You ever have that where you notice and nobody else does and nobody else cares? I brought this up on the Joe Beaver Show. No one cares. But I am telling you, Sitting there in whatever row we were in, and I imagine it was multiple rows, the lights that were on even oh, yeah, in, we're the, blinding you. in the daytime, it hadn't even been sunset yet, were blinding me in the eyes. And I'm like, something's not right. And I look around, I look around, and then I covered the lights with my hand and everything just, just popped like, okay, that's what it's supposed to be. It's light shining in my eyes. So they did not aim those lights very well. Something no one would ever think about. And I was looking around at all the different people and nobody else was squinting or having problems with it. Just me. But I know it wasn't just me because I put my hand up and it went away. And I take it down. Oh, I'm blinded. Put it back up. Went away. And I'm thinking, Maybe the lights just like looking how at in you. the world could they make that mistake? They were picking you out of the crowd. No, they put just, a spotlight on it. It was the weirdest thing, but I I was squinting. John the whole Warren's time. in the crowd. What? No, no. Get closer. Zoom in. It's not about me. Brighten the light. It's not about brighten me. the light. I don't think he can see it yet. Here's one thing. Here, let me throw this out at you. Doug writes in. Don't forget that the Indy 500 will be on Monday or Sunday morning on NBC. I don't follow open wheel racing or NASCAR, but I used to back when the PIR had mm -hmm. uh, one of the races on the uh, open wheel circuit and it was a lot of fun and covered it and stuff. I even spent a day with one of the drivers. I don't even remember who it was. He went on to have a great career, but we had lunch and mm -hmm. it was weird uh, how that whole thing was set up. Um, but that was so many years ago. I don't even and now I everyone, don't follow it at all. Now everyone watches F1 because of the Drive to Survive series on Netflix. See, and, and I, we just had two races, I think, here in the, U the in the states. We had wait, what what is this you speak of? F1, yeah, F1 racing. No, Drive to Survive. Oh, it's uh, it's a series on Netflix, uh, just on F1 racing. You, I, it, I've tried a, getting into is it. Is it a, do a drama or a documentary? It's it's like re it's real. It's nonfiction. They 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 follow. They essentially follow the F1 circuit around for a season of racing. Is it compelling? Yeah, I, it's pretty compelling. I mean, it didn't pique my interest too much. Like, I, I got a little bored watching it, but people, I, my friends love it. I'm and always they, looking for like something new. Very into, very into F1 now, and people wake up. My 
I have friends who wake up at like now 6 a.m. to watch these races. Okay. And I, I think they're doing the Monaco Grand Prix this week, which is the race. Okay. Anybody else? Can you tell us? Is the drive, Any, what's it called? Drive to Survive on Netflix. Is that Anywhere? worth your time? Is it compelling? Uh, I can get into it. I can get into almost any sport. When you learn about the drivers mm-hmm. and the storylines, yeah, well, I want to see how that guy yeah. did. Yeah. And the, people have learned a lot. Again, again, just maybe not my thing. Uh, maybe eventually down the line I will, and they get more races here. Hey, maybe I would go to a race. But they did a, a race in Miami, and they did a race in Vegas, too. Yeah, which was uh, it's phenomenal because they they go all over the world, which I think is fascinating. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna they'll go Azerbaijan. They'll go in. uh, They'll go in. uh, I think they'll go in Dubai. They'll go in in Monaco. They'll go around Europe. Yeah, they do the races. uh, Open Wheel will do races in cities. Yep, right in the middle of cities. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what makes the Monaco one so like so intricate. It's right in the middle, and Monaco's tiny. It is. It is a tiny, tiny, tiny. uh, I think Monaco is smaller than like the drive from Albany to Corvallis. Something would that would be really cool is if because PIR can handle that is if Formula One did like an exhibition and brought their cars to Portland. Mm-hmm. That would be something everyone would flock to because the GI Joes it was it used to be known as the GI Joes Two Hundred and it was on the Indy circuit was hugely popular. I'm massive crowds mm-hmm. out at PIR and it was so fun and Mike was covering it a lot for KEX back in the time. Back in the day, I was too for the radio station I was working at. So much fun. So Doug and Salem texted, and I was about to bring this up. There is an IndyCar race in Portland uh, in the day after the Boise State game on September 4th, I believe. Is it part of the circuit? It might be. I'm not know. sure. My friend my friend uh, Brady works for a different Brady, works for IndyCar, and he uh, said that's where they'll be. A guy I worked with in uh, Hillsborough loved auto racing and mm-hmm. his i worked with two people in di- that wanted to be an announcer in a different industry one my first boss great play-by-play guy almost got the seahawk job many many years ago he uh was uh wanted to be a uh bob tallman you know a, a rodeo guy oh and he That's is niche. now one of the top rodeo announcers in the country That's awesome after all these years another guy i worked with loves racing no matter what kind open wheel nascar he ended up working as we all kind of went our separate ways from that first job and he ended up going to mrn and was in florida working for motor racing network for many many years doing stuff on that channel now my question with like the going off into a different branch of announcing how uh how do you get to be like the guy who calls the uh, what horse race just happened oh the horse racing guys yeah, which what's well the Preakness is well, the Preakness, was Saturday. Preakness already happened. Well, it's before the Preakness. Kentucky Derby. Yeah. How do you get to do that? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea because they have it's they a world like, of even, its own. Even when even when NBC has all the coverage, when it comes down to the race, they yeah. go to the same guy, the guy who's in the stadium. Yeah, those and he's phenomenal. Those guys, like you guys played the call of it. Yeah, those guys show. are so good at what they do. Yeah, I mean. That's a rare talent because you're looking. You first of all, you're looking from far away through glasses. You're watching them, and you've and there's all these weird names. In fact, Matt Vaskersian had one that's hilarious. It was something about my ex-husband. No, you're you know it was was one name, and then the opposite. I mean, it was just the and they were going back and forth. Great, great talent, and and it would be so easy as an announcer. So you you're you're doing your prep right. And you're, let's say you're doing basketball, because I've done this once. You, 
you make you print out your charts yeah. and you you know you go through most of the players but you're like looking okay who plays and who doesn't i mean who who might not play i mean i don't really have enough room on here okay i'll leave him off right right and that player comes into the game that's essentially what happened with rich strike right when you have a guy he was on it though. He said enriched. And like, yeah, he was on it, which again makes that so great. Yeah. Because it's so easy. It could have just glossed right over that. It's like uh, I was listening to an interview of I think it was uh Randy Moss. He not the the football player Randy Moss. I think he does stuff for ESPN regarding horse racing. And I think it's ESPN. It might be something else. But regardless, he's like, I always talk to every single trainer yeah. uh, and jockey before the race to get a good sense before I'm laying out my picks and why, etc. The one horse he did not talk to was really? Red Strike. Oh, man. That's... The one, one single one. And just to think that announcer with, there's no way this horse is going to be relevant. I won't even say his name. I won't even need to. Yeah. But nails it when the horse that comes was... up and beams amazing. to the front. Absolutely amazing. All right, we got a break. We'll be right back. Your phone calls, your texts, 541-497-5356 on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go beeves at sweetgrass physical therapy and wellness in corvallis we fix body problems got an ache a pain a sprain or a strain we can fix that got your knee out of whack or a knot in your back we can help with that i'm dana hughes physical therapist and board certified orthopedic specialist i'm now accepting new patients come experience what physical therapy is meant to be relaxed friendly and hassle-free no referral required and we accept most insurances Visit SweetgrassPT.com. When a restaurant has been around for as long as Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill, it says a lot. It says the food is good, and that's a fun place to go. At Tommy's, they serve breakfast anytime, plus lunch and dinner seven days a week. There's a lounge with a full bar, pool tables, and all your favorite Oregon lottery games. Ask about Tommy's famous Beaver Buster breakfast. If you can eat it all in an hour, it's free. And for special events, Tommy's has a large banquet room downstairs. For good food and fun times, stop by Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. I expect it to be a lot easier. No, we're not going to do that. But let's have some fun with, uh, with audio here, shall we? What is all this dust up about then? Great point. I've just got to ask you, were you shocked that this came up? Because you just told oh, me you I only said, had one. I said, that about, I said that about a while ago. It's like, that's why I made the original one back in February when they said we had $35 million in the thing. That's, that's, that's all false. It was written on social media, so everybody believes it. And you got news channels believing it. Hey, big people believing it. And you believed it. Well, and Nick Saban believed it, obviously. Well, he's not news. You're news. You're media. Do you guys not research? Well, I don't know who that guy is who was the, the interlocutor with Jimbo Fisher, but he's mm -hmm. got a great voice. 
Fun with audio. I don't know the order of these because they're all in pieces, but we'll just see what we can do here. I'm asking you, did you re did you do your research? Uh, you just No, no. See, you can't answer. So you just assumed. And that's the way this world goes now. As soon as it's written on social media and someone says it, you believe it. So where does that put you as guys as reporters? Where does that put coaches like Nick Saban, who know better, that, if, if that's the case? I, 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 where does that put reporters at? So you're defending Nick Saban? No, I'm just criticizing. I'm asking you guys to okay. put it out in the media. <laughs> I'm at, I, I, just, just hold on. I ain't getting into this. Oh, no, no, no. no I, I understand. But I just wanted... Is this change? It's because social media and media put it out. I got it. That's Jimbo Fisher. That didn't sound like an awkward argument. It no. sounded like two friends that were having a disagreement. It was kind of light mm -hmm. until that last part when he said, I'm not going to get into this. That was the, the most contentious of the whole exchange. Of course, the, they're talking about NIL and then Nick Saban. Last week's uh, dust up, you know, the whole nine yards. Here's one last sound, but I wanted to hear just for some fun with audio, if you know what I mean. Has he apologized to you at all? No, we haven't talked. Would you accept his public apology? I said we're not talking. But he publicly apologized. Do you accept that? I didn't read it. I don't read social media. <laughs> That's a lie. I love that. I love that. He says he doesn't read social media, yet we had an entire show dedicated to Jimbo <laughs> Fisher back in February trashing an account named Sliced Bread on Reddit. That's what that 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 we spent a whole show talking yes, about Yes, we did. That. That's right. I want to play this one. I don't remember exactly. This is from last week. Uh, it's just a standalone, but I see the title here, and I want to play it just because I, I never heard it. And I don't, I'm sure it has to do with this, but it's Nick Saban. We don't tamper with anybody, so I don't know of anything or anybody that tampered with him. You know, and I, I don't really know that anybody's ever tampered with our players. I just think sometimes when things happen, it makes you wonder. I'm not making any accusations against anybody that's done anything with our players, and I don't have any knowledge of anybody that's done anything with anybody else's players. I, I wish I had Saban's apology. Uh, that one may, I don't even know what that's in, real, in related to, but I wanted to play it anyway. Saying they don't tamper with players. I yeah, yeah. don't buy that for a second. Well, it's they're fun. Just, they're, it's just, fun. they're just throwing out some, some, some stuff. It uh, was so fun, too, because when that was going down, Jimbo Fisher was very upset. Clearly. Oh, he was. He was very upset. That was real. I think I think Saban did apologize um, because they're friends. I don't, I don't I don't know the whole dynamics, but he obviously coached mm -hmm. with them. They're friendly, I guess. No, but no, rivals no, in the anymore. league. Well, that's true. According to Fisher, he's done. I'm done. He's yeah. he's, uh, he's I'm yeah, done. I'm, I'm not answering his calls. He's dead to me. Yep. But <clears throat> I love the reaction by Lane Kiffin. Uh, just kind of going, oh, this, I'm it was it's like, oh, me. SEC coaches meeting should be fun. Yeah, yeah. We need something like this in this league. I know we we've talked. Everyone in this league is just so nice. Can two coaches? Do, can someone just come out and just tell well, Lincoln Riley stop stealing my players? You're you came <laughs> in. You you've been here for thirty seconds and you, you're you're running this league already. Like, can we can we please get that? I mean, it just. It, It'd be so much more entertaining and just something for people to talk about. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, it's two sides of a coin. I, I love the drama. It's great. That is so fun. That's what sports is about. We but, like stories. But I also like the feel-good story. Last year when Oregon State made it to the Elite Eight and Wayne Tinkle's talking about all the kind texts that he received from all the different coaches in the league. I do like it when coaches come together and fight for their league and support each other when it becomes playoff time. I like the feel-good aspect of that. But 
I love the drama of the whole Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher stuff as well. And it's funny because they're both like saying, oh, we didn't do anything wrong this. We didn't do anything wrong that. It's like, yeah, are you sure? <laughs> I just thought it was really rich that Nick Saban said every one of those players, players on that bought. team we were, didn't... Bought for, were bought. But it's like, and oh, then, really? He, what about you? And then you? he turns around and says, we don't buy anyone. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Sure. Let, let's... Uh, and Jimbo's right. Like, let's go back and look at the receipts. Let's see everything you've done. And then, so I saw Sua Cravens, former USC uh, defensive player, come out on Twitter the other day and was like, yeah, all these SEC schools like Texas A&M, Alabama, I mean, they're offering you back before NIL $20,000 to come, yeah. to come, just, just to come visit. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you guys probably did break some rules, guys. I mean, there's a reason you, you, you guys are pulling in all these recruits. They're not coming because they love College Station. I'll tell you that much. going on for decades. And the thing is with Jimbo, like, uh, Jimbo's been there since 18, I think. And he's had, I think, seven total five-star recruits in that time frame, and he has eight this year. Eight in one year, yeah. seven total. <laughs> it's like, I'm, not, I'm sure they're not coming because they love the scenery of College Station. I'm no, telling you that much. No, no, but you know what? It's all legal now. It so is who all cares legal. They're yes. Uh, if great, they're and great for those, paid for? Great for those players for getting their money. Yeah. If they're Credit bought and paid them. for and they can come up with the money. I mean, Stanford and other schools with a lot of money that are private have endowments for each position. Yep. Um, so there's, you know, at least everything's covered and, and the school doesn't have to dip into their funds for that. That's a little different. But still, you're, you're bought and paid for and it's you're not breaking any rules. Hey, as long as that's the rules of the game, catch mm-hmm. up if you don't like it. And- but he, uh, uh Nick Saban, they're already doing that anyway. Yeah, Saban trying to say like, <laughs> yeah, we're not do, was... we're not doing anything. It's like, yeah, I mean, the SEC probably did a bunch of shady stuff back before things were legal. And the pro- back to the Pac-12 in, in this retrospect, the, the the unfortunate thing is the only like somewhat coaching beef we had, which was Jimmy Lake and Mario Cristobal. Yeah, they're now both gone. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> they're gone, and we have no. And like, I don't know if Kalen DeBoer and Dan Lanning are going to be biting at each other's throats, but well, I would I, say odds are probably not. I think, I think it'll always. It's just a little different out here in the West. It is. We're we're a little nicer, and a little more laid back, laid back, not caring quite as much about our college football as they do in the South. I do love it though. I I love it, and uh, you know, you got a guy from who was out here, and Mike Leach going down there. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't get mixed up in all of this. No, he's but pro- I think he's uh, in his like own world. I think guys like, like Leach and Lane Kiffin, who have been out here and then they go over there, but they were out here. They were big voices and big personalities, and now you go, they go over there. They just kind of lay low when this kind of stuff flares up. Yeah, and it it's always seems like it's always something in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. Days. Our thanks to Laura Berg joining us in the first hour and your texts and phone calls, Paul. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator, K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.